Now, the last few months, we have been looking at the book of Romans, specifically in chapters 13 through 15, and seeing, you know, that by God's providence, all of the things that we've been studying in these chapters have had a great impact on our lives, specifically in this current situation. This series is focused on loving others, loving others by serving, loving others in our daily lives, loving others who are in authority over you, loving those who you disagree with. And today we're going to see, and we're going to close our series with loving others by following Jesus' example. Loving someone even though we may not see eye to eye with them on every subject. Loving someone not just because of what they have done for you, or loving someone just because of what they could do for you. Rather, loving them because of what Christ has done for you. Loving them because of Jesus' sacrifice. Loving them because of what Jesus has given. Loving them because Jesus has welcomed sinners, saved by grace, into the family of God. This morning we're going to see that because of what Jesus has done, that to live according to God's word, we must live lives by following Jesus' example. His example of living sacrificial lives, living, um, sharing the gospel in word and deed, and welcoming others by being hospitable both to the family of God as well as our neighbors. Let's read now from God's word, Romans 15, 1-7. Read along with me. This is the word of the Lord. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but it was written, The reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with the one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Please join me in prayer. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy and almighty God, please um, let us understand your word. Please let us be able to have ears and uh, have open ears and open hearts that we may be able to not just hear what you have to say, but be able to follow what you command us to do. We pray this in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I was watching an older police procedural drama, and the main actress of the show she was a no-nonsense person. She lived her life in the pursuit of scientific discovery. Now, in the episode I was watching. She was, she was meeting a long-lost cousin whom she had never met before the episode. This woman, like her, was a no-nonsense person, yet instead of living her life in the pursuit of science, she lived her life according to the actions and according to the writings and the scientific discoveries of one of our nation's founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. She quoted him in almost every line of dialogue. She referenced his works. And she had committed her life to be, like in her words, the greatest person who had ever lived. She thought if her life was even close to his, that she would be satisfied. Now, in many ways, she did choose a great person to emulate. 
Benjamin Franklin was an interesting person. He was one of the more predominant founding fathers. Some of his inventions were completely revolutionary. Um, some of the institutions that he created, like the United States Postal Service, still remain pillars of our society. He was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, and he took a posting to France to help secure America's victory in the War for Independence. This is a man who was remembered as one of the American, America's greatest patriots in our history. Yet, is this man, is his life worthy of us to live by? Is his life a worthy example? While his long list of accomplishments are stunning, and while he's an important person in history, he's still a flawed and sinful man. And should we emulate a person needing a perfect example, or should we be looking for a perfect life example? While I could list all of these flaws of the patriot, spending time doing so wouldn't help us in our study of God's word. The simple fact is Benjamin Franklin, while a great man, cannot compete with the example that God has given us in Jesus. For Benjamin Franklin is a creation of God and as sinful as you as I. While Jesus is not a creation of God, he is the creator. He is God himself, and we must live by his example because it is perfect, an unsinful life, a life with greater accomplishments than not only Benjamin Franklin, but greater accomplishments than anyone ever or anyone could ever have. He is the perfect example. With this in mind, let's look at our passage from Romans 15. It shows us that Jesus, that he has lived a life, he lives a life that we can use as an example. And there are three aspects of this, that of Jesus' actions that we're going to look at this morning. That Jesus sacrificed, that Jesus gave, and that Jesus welcomed. Let's look first at Jesus being sacrificial. Verses 1 to 3, they show us how Jesus sacrificed but also how and why we, as followers of Christ, must as as well. well. Now, when I say the word sacrificed, that probably conjures up a lot of different images in your mind. Dying for someone. Maybe giving something that some, to someone else so that they may have it. One of the most pinpoint examples in our modern culture of sacrifice can be found in the sport of baseball. It's called a sacrifice bunt. At one point in the game... A batter is up to the plate, and another runner is on either one of the bases, on any three of the bases. And the batter's whole goal is to push his bat forward when the ball comes and to be able to push the ball towards the first baseline so that the runner may be able to advance to the next base. If he executes this play perfectly, he will be out, but his teammate will have a better chance of scoring. The whole point of this play is to the benefit of the other player. And for the team as the whole, in hopes that they can win the game. When we look at this idea of sacrifice, it's not for our sake, but for the sake of others, for the glory of God. In our passage this morning, we see in verse 3, it says this, For Christ did not please himself, but as it was written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Some of this language, it can be a little bit confusing. And he's quoting from Psalm 69, saying that Jesus died a perfect death for sinners. 
the ones who who hated him, the ones who looked only for their own self-interest, or in the language of this verse, the ones who only looked to please themselves, Jesus did the opposite. Instead of pleasing himself, he followed the Father's commands. He took sin upon himself, died the death that we deserve on the cross, paid the punishment for our sins, separated on that the punishment separation from God Jesus made the sacrifice because we cannot make the sacrifice ourselves all of scripture shows us this from Genesis onward that our sin the sin passed down to us from Adam and Eve made us so that we are separated from God and that the only way for us to be free from our sin is the sacrifice of the one and only one who could have lived a perfect life Jesus. Jesus made the perfect sacrifice so that anyone who believes in him will be free from sin and have everlasting life with Jesus in heaven and perfect communication with God. That is love. Laying down his life to save those who could not save themselves. Yet what makes Jesus the one we should be following the example? How in how he lived his life? Now, like many good people, famous people, whatever they can do, that can either be emulated or, or it can either be taught or done by others. What Jesus, what Jesus has done could not have been done by anyone else. Unlike mimicking other human beings, we see throughout Scripture that we must follow the example of Jesus, like in Ephesians 5, 1-2, which says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So we must be imitators of Jesus, acting like him by living like him. So what does this mean to look at sacrifice in our lives? Are we to die a death for others? Are we just supposed to be, as soon as we see someone in need, give up our life for them? Well, yes and no. What To follow Jesus means to be, if you need to, if God calls you to do that, to die a death for him. But also, that may be not what, not what God has called you to do. He may be calling you to live for him. In the last few sermons, we have looked at what it means to love others. Others who you disagree with, even though they may be an authority over you. Even though... They may be people who you don't respect, even though you may be required to obey them. We have learned that loving others means to agree to disagree sometimes, to follow others as long as they don't break God's law, even when you disagree with it. Verse 1 of our passage sums up the last few weeks in a few words. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This is sacrificing. Not what you think is right, nor violating your conscience. Rather, it is not exercising your full freedom in Christ to do what you desire in order to help someone. In order to aid them, either in building them up or in helping them grow in Christ. Or showing them the love of God so that they may come to know Jesus as their Savior. Verse 2 explains this. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. We are called to sacrifice our desires, maybe our need to be seen as right, 
or our need to be seen as important, all so that you may have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone or to disciple them. This is so important in our culture because we feel like we have to be right. We have to be seen as the one in the better position. We feel that we like we need to see and show ourselves as being superior to someone else. Yet living a sacrificial life is humbling yourself. It's lowering yourself, not changing what you believe, but also not forcing your specific take on an idea on someone else so that they may not violate their own conscience. When we follow the example of Jesus, we must love by living as a sacrifice for the sake of others. Now, in our passage, Jesus' example is not just that he lived and died as a sacrifice, but also that by his life and by his death, he gave. He gave hope. He gave endurance and encouragement and unity. Verse 4, it shows us that he gave hope. It says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now that word hope, that is something that we desperately want right now. We have varying degrees of hope in this lockdown, that it would come to an end at the appropriate time. That this viral epidemic would, epidemic would cease to be a problem. We hope that terms like virtual this and virtual that would only be for certain occasions and not just so that we can meet together with someone a few houses down from us. This is hope that's something we know that will come to an end. Yet we don't know when this will happen. Now the hope that Jesus has brought is greater than any hope that we could have for the end of this viral epidemic. For everything that Jesus has done is greater than any of us could ever do. The whole book of Hebrews shows us that. Jesus is greater. Therefore, the hope that Jesus brings is greater than just the hope for the end of a long struggle of endurance. The hope that Jesus has given was promised to us back in the garden when God promised to bring a Savior to buy back His people from their enslavement to sin. This hope was fully realized when Jesus came to live a perfect life, then dying a perfect sacrificial death on the cross, giving the gift of being made right with God for all who believe in Him. This is the hope that we are given when we are forgiven of our sin, when we confess Jesus as our Savior. Then this is not an uncertain hope, but a certain one, knowing that because of He who has given us the hope, all of God's promises have been or will be accomplished. Yet this hope extends even further than we are just forgiven of our sin. We not only are made right with God, we also have the benefits of being part of God's family. As we saw this morning in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, that being a part of salvation, um, our benefit of salvation is adoption. Adoption into God's family. And being part of God's family, it means having access to God in prayer. It means being continually being sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we have an eternal home in heaven to look forward to. A place with no sin or sadness or suffering. A place we can look forward to when God says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. All of these benefits are given to us by God 
as a part of Jesus' actions, out of love for us. So how do we love others then? Can we give all that God has given us through Jesus? No, we ourselves, we cannot physically give this hope, but we can point others to this hope. We can share about this hope. We cannot make someone justified by ourselves. We cannot sanctify someone. We cannot bring someone to heaven. But there is something that we can do to love others. Sharing the hope that Jesus has given. By sharing the gospel with others. Sharing what has been shared with you. Telling someone about who Jesus is in gospel conversations. Furthermore, we can love others by living as an example of the hope that Jesus has brought. For as Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul, in other words, he wrote, see the hope that I have demonstrated by the way that I live in my daily life. So that in your relationships with your family, your friends and your neighbors, that, you may, that they may see from your actions as well as your words the love of God of which he has given you hope. Always pointing back to Jesus. Always pointing back to him. Now, God is so good that he gave Jesus not only hope, but he, gave, uh, he, gave, he had Jesus give us the endurance and encouragement to go along with it. We see this in the first part of verse 4, which says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope meaning that we have the hope that we were talking about before because of the endurance and the encouragement that the Word brings, that Scripture brings. Now, by endurance and by encouragement, it's meant that we have the ability to continue on in our perseverance and to be reassured despite the sinful world around us of God's love. This is why we must read God's Word. And it gives us this endurance and encouragement for it's not about... Um, For it's not only about the one who gives us hope, but it's written by the one who gives us hope. This is also the reason we must be teaching God's word to other people in discipleship or in sharing it in conversations. You don't have to be preaching it from a pulpit to be teaching God's word to others. You can do it in small groups. You can do it by just taking some time to disciple someone else, whether it's your kids or whether it's your friends or whether it's your family members. God's word is so important that we must not be kept silent. It must be shared. Sadly, though, the times that we're living in, when we try to share this encouragement and endurance with others, we see God's word manipulated or changed to fit someone's agenda. You probably have seen this as well as I have. Um, this is not living by the example of Jesus. Jesus did not change Scripture. He brought understanding. He brought illumination. He brought revelation to it because he is God's prophet. Yet if we try to do the same thing, while we may do so out of a good desire, it's changing God's word and not actually giving a person a true encouragement and true endurance. Actually, it's the opposite that's true. This is where we see strict warnings about adding or taking away from God's word. Rather, we must give others encouragement and we must give others endurance by pointing them to God's word, as Jesus did, pointing them to the words of God, showing them the love of God that has been in the Bible since the first words of Genesis. 
and teaching others what God's Word says rather than what we desire for God's Word to say. The third thing we see is that Jesus gave in our passage is found in verse 5 as well as in verse 6. It says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the writer of Romans is the Apostle Paul. And at this point in his letter, he has changed sort of his direction. Instead of just saying and explaining how to love others, he starts praying for Christians to actually love others, to act on his words, to put his teaching into practice. In this prayer, he is asking that God will give his people the ability to love other Christians, for we are unified together by God. Now, if you remember in verse 1, we saw that Christians may disagree with one another about various issues, usually about how far our Christian liberty extends. Yet no matter this disagreements, because of Jesus' sacrificial act, we have been united with Christ and with one another. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is Romans 6, and it speaks of how we are unified with Christ. Romans 6 says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. This verse, it shows us that because of Jesus' actions, any who believe in him are unified with Christ. They are bound with him in everlasting, unbreakable bond. As each Christian is united with Christ, we see in Romans 15, verses 5 and 6, because of this union with Christ, we also have union with other Christians. If you are a Christian, you have a relationship with people all around this world. And it's unlike any other relationship you can have with someone who's not a follower of Jesus. Your relationship with them, it's different because you, they know you will, they will be there for you. They will be with you for all of eternity. Your relationship with them is different because of who you worship and what God has called you to do. So what must we do with this union that Jesus has given? Verse 5 makes it plain. We must live in harmony with one another. Now again, as we have seen before, Christians do have disagreements. Some of them will be very significant. But be, just because we have disagreements doesn't mean we can't live in harmony with one another. So how did Jesus live in harmony with others? What example has he set? Look to the Trinity. God is one essence in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, unified but diverse, yet living in perfect harmony. Each person of the Trinity has a different role, yet they exist in perfect harmony. In the New Testament, we also see how Jesus lived in harmony with others, in that he took um, men and women who followed him, and he made, they made up of a diverse group of individuals from various places and positions. Yet they lived in harmony because of Jesus modeling it for them. R.C. Sproul put it this way, Christ's willingness to receive as 
as his disciples, men and women who have varying opinions, indicates that our Lord does not seek a kind of unity that amounts to stark uniformity on every matter. There is latitude for differing or for differences of opinion in the body of Christ as long as the gospel is not overthrown in the process. God seeks unity amid diversity, which should not be surprising because as a trinity he exhibits both unity and diversity. He is one in essence and three in person. So how do we act on this unity that Jesus has given to us to live in harmony with others? Well, I know from personal, exam- from personal experience that it is hard, yet it's not insurmountable. When I was in college, one of my roommates is and, and was a God-fearing man. Now, we both felt called to ministry, yet we disagreed on a variety of theological issues. Yet, for the sake of unity, so that we could live in harmony in a very small quarters, we decided to agree to disagree on those issues. We agreed on the basic tenets, yet decided to try not to convince the other person to adopt a certain point of view on a small issue. We did this for the sake of harmony. And because of this harmony, we created and we started praying for one another. We created a friendship that evolved into not just praying for one another, but also calling each other up post-college to see how we were doing. When we were praying to, with each other during, during our college years, we were praying for our future ministries. We were praying for our future families and all that we would be ministering to. And even to this day, we often speak one to one another, sometimes even a couple times a week, encouraging one another, building each other up because we deeply care about glorifying God together. We deeply desire to share the gospel with others. We deeply desire to disciple others, even though we disagree on certain issues. I pray with, along with the Apostle Paul that you will find a way to live in harmony with those you disagree with, with those that you see as being the weaker or being the stronger brother. For you are unified in Christ with them. You are not unified because you all have the same view on everything, but you are unified because of what Christ has done in you, so that you may glorify him. So far this morning, we have looked at how Christ has sacrificed, so we must love others by making sacrifices of our own desires. Then we looked at how Christ has given hope through his life, death, and resurrection, and we must love others by sharing the gospel with them. Then we also saw how Jesus has given encouragement and endurance through his word, and as well as giving us unity. Now, most of this passage has been focused on how we should be loving others who are part of the church, who may have been part of the church community for some time. Yet these last few verses, they turn the focus from just being inward only to inward and outward, reminding us that just as Jesus loved others by welcoming them into the covenant community, we must also welcome others no matter their past, no matter their culture, no matter their socioeconomic status. Verse 7 states this, before, or Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Now this word, welcome. Welcome may have a variety of meanings. It can mean being hospitable to one another, but it can also mean partaking in true Christian fellowship. In the case with hospi- hospitality, we see in the Gospels as well as in the Epistles that we should be hospitable to both those who follow, have Jesus as their Savior and following Him, 
as well as our unbelieving neighbors. Now look at how Jesus ate with sinners, the sick, and even worse, tax collectors. Yet even though he spent time with them and conversed with them, he never surrendered the message of God's love. Rather, he was using hospitality as a means to share God's love with others. He used the opportunities that the Father had given him to speak truth into the lives of those who were around him. So how are you being welcoming to your neighbors as an example the, that Christ gives us? How are, you being, how are you showing hospitality to them, reaching out to them? Currently, we have a prime opportunity during this, during this viral crisis to show the love of God to our neighbors by being there for them. Going out of our way to show them the love of God by just being there for them or helping them in some small way. Barriers are down. And because we are all experiencing this same event, we have a shared experience, even though it's played out in different ways. All of our lives have been affected. How are you using this time to be a welcoming person that you have commanded, been commanded to be? So that not only may they hear the gospel from your lips, but see it in your actions. Recently, I was told of a person in my life who was able to share the gospel with their neighbor because they just went to the store for them. This woman, she needed groceries, yet she couldn't go to the store. So her next-door neighbor, she decided to talk to this woman and heard about her need and heard about the other needs that she had. So what she did the next day was she got a list from her and she, took, or she, she bought the groceries that this woman needed. Because of this act of hospitality, she was able to have gospel conversations with this neighbor. And she was able to pray for this neighbor. Don't let this time of openness due to the lockdown pass you by. Use this as an opportunity to, be, to, to show hospitality to your neighbors so that you can be more of a gospel witness to them. Now, acting Acting with hospitality is not just for Christians toward unbelieving neighbors. This command is also directed at our relationships with other Christians. How are you being welcoming to other Christians who have a different background than you? How are you welcoming them despite varying views? Or how are you, hold, are you just holding them at arm's length so they really can't, be, they can't really have fellowship with you? When Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son, he was speaking to this manner. A man who comes into his father's inheritance, yet fritters it all away. He spends all of his money and then is sitting in a pig slop and realizes what he has done. He returns home and his father welcomes him back with open arms and even throws a party for him. Yet this man's older brother, who has stayed with the father, who didn't spend all of his inheritance away, he is angry and bitter because of his father's love. Now, I've ministered to a lot of different types of people over the years, and I've seen it time and time again, loving our neighbors, yet not loving the people who are followers of Christ, who have different pasts, or have, who look different, who act different. That is not truly welcoming them into the community of the church if we don't fully embrace them as the father did the younger son. We must not love others like the older brother, but like the father. As hard as it may be for us, as awkward as it might get, this is what we are commanded to do, to love others as Christ loved. Love others because God has commanded it. Love others as a natural response to any action. 
So how are you planning to follow Jesus as an example to love others today? How are you planning on sacrificing? How are you planning on giving? How are you planning on welcoming both your brothers and sisters in Christ as well as your neighbors around you? Do so by loving them, showing them the love of God has shown you through the example of Jesus in your daily life. Do so that God may be glorified, that he may be lifted up. For to God be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, holy and almighty God, we thank you for all that you have given us. We thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for sending us Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Father, we thank you for giving us your word so that we may have encouraged and or so we may be encouraged and have endurance, Father. Please help us to love others. Love others in a way that we may have not loved loved before. Father, please open our hearts that we may desire to love those around us. Whether it's our neighbors, whether it's our families, whether it's our friends, whether it's our spouse or our children. Father, please create in us a desire to love others so that we may glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen.